Thank you, Miss Robin. Take your Bibles, if you would, this evening and turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. As we're walking through this private journal, which is inspired by the Holy Spirit, uh, written by Solomon, we see different things that we've learned and uh, hope they've been a blessing to you and encouragement to you as we've walked through these things and studied these things and hope you're doing, uh, reading on a regular basis your Bible. Hope you're putting your stars up if you've signed up and going through that. So many of you have been encouragement to see that every week and, and uh, pray through those names. And it's been a blessing to see uh, how some of you have come to me and said how it's been a challenge to you and encouragement uh, to have a, a Bible board to write and to be an accountability. Sometimes in life, we need accountability. Uh, and it's just maybe another person. I've been accountability partner with other people in lots of areas. Uh, Bible reading, personal issues, but sometimes we need, need somebody. It's like I often say, you know, my teacher, my wife as a teacher, being a, she, she would love the fact that she wouldn't have homework, but what would they learn? Well, she'd be grading a whole lot of things while we're watching TV at night, <laughs> but what would they actually learn if there wasn't a whole lot of homework? That's the question. So how do we learn? Well, you learn a couple different ways, either the hard way, or you learn the easy way. God's goal for us is to learn through obedience. Obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings conflict. And what is obedience? Obedience is doing what you're told when you're told with the right heart attitude. And that's for when you're five or 95. Obedience is the same. It doesn't change. Obedience doesn't change whether you're old or young. Obedience doesn't change by your position. It doesn't change by your power or your status. It's always the same. God wants us to, to be obedient. He wants us to have a, a heart attitude, not doing things out of duty. Wednesday night crowd, usually not here out of duty. You're here because you want to be. A lot of times on Sunday morning, folk come because, as I did when I was growing up, it was just what we did on Sunday morning. Used to be all over the country, especially the South, and I hear songs about it all the time, that people just went to church on Sunday morning. That's what they did. They went to church. They usually go to grandma's house or they stayed home and they ate. And that's how things were in this part of the world uh, for many years. Things, of course, have naturally changed where that percentage of people who go to church and actually have a meal together has drastically decreased. But how do we learn? Either we learn the easy way or we learn the hard way. We learn the hard way. And sometimes that, that hard way naturally is hard. Remember when we used to have on our iPhones, just the, you'd have to stick your finger and have the, the thumbprint and it would open the phone? I heard a story about, about when a, a lady had an iPhone and her mom, and while the mom was sleeping, she got the iPhone and real gingerly got the thumbprint on the iPhone and opened it up. The girl was about four years old, and she noticed what her mom did by going to the Amazon app which is so convenient. And next thing, she, her mom knows she woke up and she done spent about $400 that she never spent, <laughs> but the young girl did. Oh, that's a learning lesson. The next time you take a nap, you might want to hide your phone. A little harder now that they have the facial recognition. You, you can't, I tried it. I tried to close my eyes and do it. It wouldn't open. I had to open, actually open my eyes for the, for the facial recognition. But that's what happens with money. We have to recognize the fact that if you're not careful with money and things that we hold valuable, it can fly away like a bird. 
And that's the reality. One preacher said that Christians, as Christians, we're pilgrims, not settlers. We ought to, ought to travel light. So accumulating stuff, we have to be careful about accumulating too much stuff, especially debt, especially debt, because it's easy to get in debt, isn't it? I heard a, I heard a really strange story of this uh, director of World Vision Ministries who had a three-year-old daughter who received an application in the mail for a platinum visa card. They thought it was a mistake. But they just went along. The mom thought it was crazy, but they went ahead and filled it out. She filled out the application by writing the to- toddler's, the kid's acu- uh, occupation as toddler. It was, and on the application, the mom wrote, I'd like to have a credit card to buy some toys, but I'm only three. And my mommy said no. Two weeks later, they received the credit card. I think I would tear that one up. <laughs> Real fast, real fast. But the problem's not just debt. The reality is the more you want, the less satisfied you'll be with what you really have. Solomon is about to introduce to us, by the way of inspiration again by the Holy Spirit, several lessons we can learn either the hard way through experience or learn the better way through obedience. We want to look at two case studies this evening of two drastically different people. First case study, number one, is selfishness and insecurity. We see that in verses 13 through 14, there's a sore evil which I've seen under the sun, namely, riches kept for the owners thereof to do their hurt, but those riches perish by evil travail. Basically, Solomon is saying, let me tell you about something I've seen down in the earth during my lifetime, and it's, it's so bad, it turns my stomach. You ever see things so bad, it bothers you? It causes you to be physically ill? That's what, that's what Solomon is saying. This, I've seen something, I've observed something, and it bothers me. Actually, this word for sore evil means sickening or grievous. Angie used to work for, and I had a friend that, whenever he saw something that bothered him, he would say, that's grievous. He would, he would just use those. He would elongate that last couple of letters. Sometimes we see things out in the world as grievous, right? They're evil. They're sickening. They break our heart. And the lesson here is, he, as he's saying, if you risk what you have to get more than you need, you won't enjoy what you have, and you might lose what you need. Basically, the idea is be content with what you have. Be content with what you have. The idea is a description here of a man who becomes self-centered, insecure, and, after, and even though he has plenty of wealth. What God gives us allows us to have the talents and abilities to, to gain materials, wealth, to give, to manage, to invest but not just to have it and not to help people, to, to, to be a blessing to other people. This person had plenty of money, either got it by, by work or by some other type of gain or possibly by an inheritance, but he just clutched it. He was like a Scrooge. He was a miser. You ever met any misers? You're probably related to misers. They watch every little nickel, every little dime. 
You know, they, they, they spend hours at the thrift stop shop and they get one thing. And they keep it for themselves. Uh, in this life, dear friends, you'll be characterized by one or two t- type of people. You're either a grasper or you are a giver. When they put you in the ground, you'll be characterized by that, one of those two descriptions. Someone who's always having to get more, have more, buy more, need more. Or you'll be something who's, someone who's giving, helping, guiding, encouraging. Maybe not only, always monetarily, though that's one way, but with your time, because time does equal money, doesn't it? That's what we've been told all our life. You give with what you can do. You help somebody. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they said, we don't have a whole lot of money to give, but if, you know, the grass needs to be cut, we'll go over and cut their grass. Or, or if something's broke down in their house, we'll go over to the house and we'll, we'll try to fix it. Hey, that's valuable, amen? When something's broke down in your house, call that repairman and ask him to do it for free. And good luck if you ever see him because they're not coming to your house and doing it for free. Nor do you blame them most of the time. But be content with what you have. This man guarded his stuff. He held on to it. He clutched it. He wouldn't share it. He hoarded it. He worried about it. He was afraid it was going to leave him. And what happened in the end? Said, so look at verse 15. It came forth of his mother's womb, naked shall return to go as he came, and shall take nothing of his labor, which he may carry away in his hand. He came into this world naked, and he's going to leave this world naked. I'm not talking about so much physically, but he's, not going to, he's coming to this world with nothing. He's going to leave this world with nothing. It's not what you have so much. It's what you do with what you have. He was chasing more, like a person chasing the wind. It reminds me of a story of a guy who robbed a bank, a young man who robbed a bank in Ottawa, Canada. He, small bank, went up there and told the teller, give me everything you have, and she emptied her till. Gave, her, gave him $6,000. That's all he had, all she had in the bank. He ran out, eventually got caught, put him in jail. Well, they auctioned off the pistol, the Colt pistol, which was made by Ross Rifle Company in 1918. They auctioned it off. He got $6,000. The pistol that he had to rob the bank was worth $100,000. He had, he had all he needed right in front of him. And that is true with so many of us. We have all we need right in front of us, but we want, we pursue more, thinking that the more is somehow going to satisfy us. But dear friend, as Mick Jagger said, there's no satisfaction in that stuff. And that old boy ought to know. He ought to know. Yet we chase it like the wind. We chase relationships like the wind. We chase stuff like the wind. We're not, comp- we're, we're not content with what God has given us. And what was the result of that? Look at verse 17. In all his days also he eateth in darkness, and he hath much sorrow and the wrath with his sickness. 
He's alone. Because who wants to be around a miser? Who wants to be around a person who's a Scrooge? Who wants to be around a person who's not compassionate, who's not caring, who's consumed with themselves? This word darkness darkness symbolizes misery. You could translate it obscurity. He's isolated in his greedy misery. Sickness is a Hebrew word that includes physical, mental digression. And last is wrath or rage. He's caught up in all these things. And it's destroying him. The man risked what he had in order to get more than he needed. In the meantime, he stopped enjoying what he had. And then he lost what he needed. What does the Bible say? Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life, listen to me. A man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesseth. Your life is not about what you have. A whole lot better to take what you have and invest it in people. Because a billion years from now, what you have really won't matter so much. The only two things will matter a billion years from now is the Bible and the souls of people. That's the only thing that's going to matter. Everything else is going to be gone. Every tree, every building, every house, every piece of silver and gold, every lovely thing, every precious jewel, every sweet golf club and motorcycle and all the other things will be gone, and you won't even want them anymore. Oh, that I hope I have a Harley during millennium. Just one more time, Lord Jesus. Just one more time. Oh, C.S. Lewis put it this way. Aim at heaven, and you'll get earth thrown at it, thrown in. Aim at earth, and you'll get neither. What are you aiming at? Some often we're just aiming at earth. More stuff. More things. Then we don't have the money to pay for it. You might not put it on credit card. Can't pay for the credit card. Now it's 22%, 25%. You're paying the bank, and they're basically human vampires. They're taking you to the bank and crushing you. That's one person. That's one person. The second case study is acceptance and enjoy it. Enjoyment. Look at verse 18. Behold, that which I've seen is good and coming for one to eat and to drink. So the second person that, that Solomon observes, basically Solomon saying, hey, look at this. This is good and fitting. Totally opposite from the person that he looked at the first time, which he said, this is sickening and grievous and turns my stomach. This person... This case study is wonderful, it's good, it's beautiful, it's attractive, it's worth pursuing. He says in verse 18 and 19, To enjoy the good of all thy labor, that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life, which God giveth him, for it is his portion, his is the gift of God. So first, gift is the ability even to be alive. We don't thank God for life. Life is not... It's not a mistake. It's a very act of God. It's an act of God. We ought to be thankful for life. It's a gift. He created us for a purpose and a reason. 
It's a gift. Secondly, not only, oh, sorry about that. I went too far up. Secondly is the gift to ability to enjoy what you have. Not only do we realize, appreciate what we have, we get to enjoy what we have. I've talked to known folks who get up in age and they get to a place where they can't, their taste buds don't work anymore. They can't taste them green tomatoes anymore. They can't taste them grits anymore. They can't taste that bacon anymore. They can't taste them cucumbers anymore. Are making you hungry yet? Can't taste that peanut butter and strawberry jam. Oh, they've had it for all many years. Now it all tastes like blah. But you got to eat to live, right? Dear friend, enjoy what you have. Enjoy the times you have with your family. You're not guaranteed you'll have another one. There's nowhere in the Bible that guarantees you you have another Father's Day. This could be your last Father's Day. I sit around the table often and think about that as I'm with my wife and two, two children, two kids, two teenagers, getting ready to be a, a 20-year-old and an 18-year-old. I think about this. I think about it. Hey, this, this isn't promised that we're going to have another one of these. Enjoy it. Be thankful for it. Ask God to, ask God to, to bless it. Special days, special occasions, enjoy it. Take it, enjoy every bit of it because it, it matters. It's, it's important. See, not only do we get the gift, but secondly, we have to realize that we have, it's more than just getting the gift of life. We can actually enjoy it. It's like Christmas time. Remember Christmas time? You'd get the gift, but you realize you look underneath, you got to have batteries. Aren't you glad your parents went out and bought your batteries because nothing's open on Christmas Day? Oh, today there is, but used to be back in the 80s and 70s, everything was shut down. Maybe a few gas stations were open. You couldn't go out, and that happened to us a few times. Dad and Mom forgot to get the batteries, and we had a toy, and it was wonderful to have the gift. We couldn't use the gift because we had no batteries. Be thankful for life. But be thankful for, secondly, to enjoy life. Because there's coming a time, dear friend, and we're going to read about in Ecclesiastes, where you don't enjoy life. What's that what the Bible says? After, what, four score and ten, or three score and ten, you're, you're full of days and your life is full of sorrows? It's coming to a day where you, you don't enjoy life. You just, you're just trying to just make it through life. You're trying to survive life. Remember, Solomon has enjoyed everything. Remember, he's worth $2.3 trillion. But he's been miserable. Why has he been miserable? Because he's been outside the will of God. There's no more miserable place to be for a Christian than to be outside the will of God. There's no greater place for a Christian to be than be to the center of God's will. No matter what circumstances, no matter what you have, no matter what you don't have, Remember, thank God for what he's given us, but thank God that we're able to enjoy what God has given us. But number three, the third gift is the ability to accept where you are. Accept where you are. Are you, are you grateful for where you are physically? Are you grateful where you are spiritually? Are you grateful where you are emotionally? Are you grateful? Are you thankful? Paul said it this way, why he was in prison. He said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content, for I know how to be abased, to know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound, to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Oftentimes in that church that I cannot name, 
I'd meet folks that went to church half the year up north, and, and half the year they would spend down, uh, down where we were at. And oftentimes I'd meet them and they would say, your church just isn't like our church. And I would say, naturally so. If our church was just like your church, there wouldn't need to be two of us. Doesn't make any sense, folks. There's going to be, every church is going to be different because people are different. Leadership styles are different. Now, the doctrine is 99.9% the same, but things are different. I have people come to me sometimes and say, Oh, I wish our church was like that, a church that I was growing up. Can't be. And, dear friend, don't want to be. I never want to be just like somebody else because God's leading me to be something different. I can't be somebody else. I can only be Marty Moon. That's all I can ever be. Now, I can be encouraged by other preachers, and I am encouraged by other preachers. I can be encouraged by other churches that do well, and I am encouraged by other churches that do well. But I never would want to be just like another church because that's not us. There's only one North Gainesville Baptist Church in Gainesville, Florida. That's us. And we're going to be different, and we're different by design, by God's will. It is God's will that we be different. I never try to be just like some other preacher or just like some other, some other church because we're all different. Have you accepted where you are in your work? Or you're always, I'm always going to try to find something better. Are you, are, you, are, you, are you grateful and thankful where you are in your marriage, in your relationships? Are you grateful? Are you content? Jim Elliott said a great phrase, wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are, be all there. Don't be constantly looking in the past, oh, I wish I was, or always in the future, oh, I wish I could be. No, dear friend, wherever you are, be all here. God needs us here. He needs 100% of our capacity, our mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual strength here at this time, at this place, to reach these people in this community. We're here for such a time as this. God has placed us here. But sometimes we get co-consumed in the past, the way it used to be, or the future, the way it will be, instead of focusing on the here, the right now. Accept the, the place where you are. Paul did, even in a difficult place. And number four, Fourth gift is the ability to enjoy what you do. To enjoy what you do. It says, and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. Do you enjoy your labor? Enjoy your work? Well, the Bible says if a man doesn't work, neither should he eat. I'd be glad I got work. I wouldn't want to be standing in the cheese line. I wouldn't want to be knocking on the door. Somebody says, hey, I got no work. I got a, can, can, and I'm, I'm ashamed to beg. No, dear friend, thank God that you have the ability to work. You know, there's lots of people, and I talk to them on a regular basis, who won't work but can't work. There are people like that who want to work, who would get up and go and go do a job, but because of some physical ailment, they cannot. There's people who would love to be here in church, but they cannot. Not a lot of those, but I know some of them. 
and the ability to enjoy what you do. Rejoice in your labor. This is a gift of God. Solomon writes here at the end of 13, to accept this lot and rejoice in his toil, his labor, his work is good. You will never really enjoy your job until you realize it's a gift from God. You'll never really enjoy what you do until you realize it's a gift of God. Sometimes it, it may get frustrating. Sometimes you, it may get monotonous. Sometimes it might get difficult. But you know what? Be thankful for it. Be thankful for it. Because where will we be without it? Compare these two case studies. Both of them had possessions, food, drink, provisions. But the first person's possessions were guarded as closely as possible, while the second person's possessions were received as from the Lord. The first person's job was meaningless toil. The second person's job was meaningful assignment. The first person's heart was filled with regret. The second person's heart was filled with gratitude. The first person was stuck in the failure of the past. However, the second person was anticipating the future with the Lord. Solomon writes, verse 20, For he shall not much remember the days of his life, because God answered him in the joy of his heart. Oh, dear friend, think about what you've, God has given you, what he's allowed you to do, and all the things that you possess. What are you doing with them? What are you doing with this thing we call life? Are you thankful for it? Are you grateful for what you have? Are you a hoarder, a miser, or are you a giver? I thank God for many people in this church, actually most people in this church, that if I was to do your funeral, I would have to say of you that you're a giver. You're a giver. Thank God that you are givers. And that's the reason why we have a church here on 39th Avenue. We need to be encouraged. Because you know what, friends? Sometimes in life it is difficult. We look around to other people and they're hoarding their resources. They're, make, they, they're getting away with things that you think, how in the way could they get away with that? Well, dear friends, let me say to you, the best days for a Christian are not behind us, they're ahead of us. The best days for you and I are ahead of us. There's a day coming, we don't have to worry about money. We don't have to worry about finances. We won't worry about stuff. We won't worry about saving or IRAs or 401ks. All that will be over. We're still going to have a home, a permanent dwelling. God himself, Jesus Christ, is preparing for us even right now. I read a survey recently that said 40% of shoppers will purchase a department store restaurant gift card for friends and family sometime this year. But the real winner is the store or the restaurant. According to estimates by the Journal of State Taxation, unredeemed gift cards amount to unbelievable amount of money. Many cards are misplaced, accidentally thrown out, or partially redeemed. On average annual basis, $1 billion in gift cards go unused. Every year, $1 billion worth of unredeemed gift cards. I could not help but wonder how many believers go through life without redeeming the gifts of God. 
the gifts of being alive, the gift of enjoying what you have, the gift of accepting where you are, and finally the gift of enjoying what you do. You have gift cards of life, but they've not been redeemed. They've been squandered. And I wonder sometimes if we'll stand before God at the judgment seat of Christ. Sad, because some people will be sad, because they've squandered the life that God gave them, the opportunity that God gave them, and they used it only for themselves. And those people who rush forward with crowns in their hands because they've been obedient to the word of God and they cast them at the feet of Jesus, they will stand back and weep, wishing, wishing they listened to the Holy Spirit and the word of God when they whispered to you, serve me, follow me, be used of me, and future blessings will follow. You see, friend, it's simply our choice. Grasp, miser, hold on to, hoard, or give. Give. I promise you, you can't take it with you. Whatever talents and abilities and gifts that you have, Give it, give it, give it. Because God so loved the world, he gave. And that's why you're sitting there this evening. Father, we thank you, God, that you give us such wonderful opportunities to serve, to give, to share in so many different ways, with a smile, with a handshake, with a hug, with some monetary gift, with something said, something done. You give us great opportunities. May we be helpers, not hoarders. May we be givers, not graspers. May we be lovers of you, not lusting after our own things. Oh, God, help us, Lord Jesus, to see eternity's values in view and recognize what we possess in this life really means so little. But what we store up in heaven, treasures up there, mean so much. Which case study are you this evening? Do you have a tendency to grasp, to gain, to want, to get, to have, to hold, to hoard? Or is your tendency to give, to share, to help, to be there? What are you? Well, the Holy Spirit knows, and you know. If you're here tonight and you know Christ is your Savior, I encourage you to come to an invitation. I'd love to take a Bible. My wife would take a Bible and show you how you can be saved. But you're here tonight, and you're struggling maybe with the spirit of holding on to stuff, grasping for stuff, getting stuff. You're struggling with it. It's a, it's a struggle. You find yourself in too much debt, getting too much, too much out of the way. Now's the time to repent and ask God to help you with 
to fight against the spirit of covetousness, which will destroy you. Let's stand to our feet. As the music plays tonight, would you do business with God? Maybe some of you need to walk the aisle. You've been struggling. It's an area of struggle. It's seen in your finances. It's seen in your actions. It's seen in your attitude. Will you die to it and ask God to help you? The altar's open this evening. Whatever God wants you to do, the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. Will you obey? Will you listen? Eternal rewards your wait. Are you willing to obey today?